Hello, friends. Welcome back. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by, of course, our premier coffee sponsor, Hotshot Brewery. Head over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and pick yourself up some apparel. Support that firefighter culture. Also, check out their coffee. It's good coffee for a good cause. They just uh, came out with that sawdust blend, which I'm currently drinking right now. That's probably why I'm talking so fast. It's good shit. Anyways, don't drink crap coffee. And it's good coffee for a good cause. A portion of the proceeds goes to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. So, go check them out. Oh, oh yeah. Did I mention that they are supporting the Anchor Point podcast by slinging some of our merch? Yeah, pre-orders are available for the Anchor Point podcast. Yeah. So if you guys go over to the website and at the top, it'll say T-A-P-P. Click on that menu and a drop down box will show all of our t-shirts and sweatshirts that are available. They're going to be shipping here in November. So get them while you can. They are limited run, limited edition. Get it. Once again, www.hotshotbrewery.com. They also have all the tools to get your morning started right, like coffee cups and arrow presses and all that stuff. It's good stuff. Don't drink crap coffee. Another sponsor of the Anchor Point Podcast is going to be the Smoky Generation, also known as the American Wildfire Experience. Go over there and check them out. Bethany has an awesome organization going on over there. And if you guys happen to be a writer or a photographer or a blogger or cinematographer, applications are going to be starting for 2020 micro grants soon, this winter. So check them out. Maybe you guys can get one of those grants they are also sponsored by Mystery Ranch and Water Axe Pumps. It's a good cause. I'm all about it. And it'll help facilitate some of those uh, adventures that you guys have out in the field, highlighting the stories of the wildfire experience. So once again, go to www.wildfireexperience.org and check them out. The views and opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast, episode number 21. Yeah, 21 episodes. It's pretty good. We're on, we're on a good roll. I'm, I'm stoked. I hope you guys are stoked too. We're going to keep doing this uh, thing over the winter and uh, keep you guys engaged. Get that fire mind. Keep it alive. Anyways, today on the show, I've got Zach Robo. Zach, I'm, well, dude, I'm just going to cut to the chase here. He, he, this guy is a stud. He is a personal trainer over at Pendola Fitness, the Pendola Project. You can check them out on Instagram, and if uh, you guys happen to be in the Reno area, hit them up. Anyways, before he became this, he was a wildland firefighter. He has also been doing MMA for 19 years, and he's a purple belt in BJJ. The dude knows his shit. He is a stud. Dude is a boss. Anyways, he knows his stuff about fitness, and today we're going to talk about preventing injuries, getting in shape for the fire season, and how quality training can help facilitate all those things that you need during the fire season. Hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to the Anchor Point. 
to do this? Yeah, are we live? Fuck yeah, we live, bitch. <laughs> Fuck it, we'll do it live. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. Today on the show, I've got Zach Robo. What's up, buddy? What's going on? Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. So tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. So uh, being that this podcast is towards the fire community, um, it's probably been eight or so years since I've fought Wildland Fire. I used to be a firefighter up in Incline for Slide Mountain Hand Crew. Um, I was on that for about two years and uh, had some had some injuries, had some concussions going on and uh, had to had to part ways with the fire world. And at this point, I'm really just focusing on personal training, working at Pendola Training right now. Nice. So what was your lead up to fire? Like, how'd you get into it? Like, what'd you do? You just, you said you worked on Slide Mountain, right? Yep. Nice. So tell us about that, man. Okay. So I uh, started, well, I was, I was in college, had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, had some buddies that were on the structural side up in, up in Incline, and they kind of share the share the same station with the hand crews up there and uh told me to check it out and i went and signed up for my uh basic 32 they still call it that yeah they still call it basic 32 basic i mean yeah it's like a week of training essentially right yeah did that went through the hiring process and uh lucked out on that one and (laughs) moved up to incline a couple weeks later and pretty soon you're cutting trees and burning in the forest huh yeah man it was it was a pretty rough start i remember i missed my first two days on the crew up there oh Um, no yeah i got pneumonia no shit yeah dude how'd you get pneumonia i was out i was out fishing with some buddies uh at rye patch (laughs) so and and just got sick as hell so for those of you that don't know what rye patch is it's a well a very alkaline lake basically in the middle of nevada Outside of what is that in between Winnemucca and Lovelock? Yeah, and a bunch of mines out there, and that's it. Nice, man. So, what was your fire experience like? Uh, so, first year, it was awesome. We were on a 20 man, it was a type two hand crew, um, and we were gone all summer. It was awesome. We hit New Mexico, Arizona. Uh, we got to go to Minnesota for three, four weeks. Um, California, I think we hit Oregon too. Um, super busy, kind of your classic season of. Two weeks on, two days off. Your classic like thousand hour season that you usually pull. Yeah, exactly. At least on a crew, at least. Yeah, yeah. So uh, actually, didn't get a whole hell of a lot of prod work in that year. Um, we were just pretty much on the road. My second year, though, pretty big transition in the station up there. We went down to a ten man hand crew, mm-hmm. kind of like a short squad or a mod. Yeah, yeah. And it, we really turned into a prod crew up there. So um, obviously, the crew was a lot smaller, and then. Um, we, we really didn't go out to that many fires, so we ended up doing a lot of project work the whole summer my second year. Which is kind of cool, though, because if you're on the project crew, project crew, that's slang, fire slang for project crew, you end up doing a lot of falling. So I know that you're super into it. I mean, full disclaimer here, you technically are my cousin. So. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> so you did a lot of falling, a lot of uh, stuff like that. And I don't know, you even taught me a couple things. I picked up that book. I forgot what it was called. What was that book that you got? Uh, it was, I know the, uh, the guy's name is Doug Dent, Doug Dent, Doug Dent. Yep. Um, and he's just a salty old dude, but, uh, his book is awesome. Um, I kind of just took it in my pack with me up there cause we were just falling trees all day long around the Tahoe basin. And, uh, and we were able to just try different types of, you know, loading, loading the tree, getting some spring in there. Oh yeah. Dude. Yeah. Jumping it off. 
that's always fun. Yeah. Do like a narrow cut there and you just like launch it off that stump. Right, exactly. Don't yeah. try this at home. Yeah, don't try this, guys. <laughs> Supposedly, allegedly, you can yeah. make a tree fly off its off of its stump. Yeah, sometimes, you know, I heard <laughs> you can make a set of stairs in there and you might be able to throw a rock in and just really let it pop off the rock. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, watch the video. Well, at least you guys aren't doing crazy shit like using bottle jacks like the pro loggers up in Region 6. Like oh, man. And stuff. That sounds it's, awesome. We don't have anything that big around here, though. No, no, no. Nothing was huge. Nothing was really classy up there. No. Well, that's a funny thing, too, though, is like my falling experience is rather limited. I did a little bit of time three years up in the Pacific Northwest where the trees are big. Like an A tree up there is going to be, well, it could be relatively big. But down here, I'm a desert rat. So what am I to do? Fall a sea juniper? Right. No, it's that is a useless call for me, mm-hmm. but I still enjoy it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So tell me about these concussions, dude. How the hell did you get these concussions? Well, I know. I'm just trying to provide context. Yeah, totally. Um, so before uh, my firefighting experience, I've been in mixed martial arts my whole life. So kind of started when I was seven, um, moved my way up uh, and decided I was going to go for cage fighting for my career. <laughs> that was a short, short, short career. Um, I got knocked the hell out in my first round. Um, and then I... I want to say I had a shoulder surgery after and uh, kind of moved into fire right after that. Um, kind of realized I didn't really want to go the cage fighting route, but man, I was just racking up concussions. Um, yeah, you got lit up uh, doing jits too. You've been, uh, mixed, like you said, you've been a mixed martial artist for forever. Yeah. But yeah. jits was like your primary thing, right? Uh, it became that. So I'm actually a little more qualified in the stand-up aspect of it. Um, you know, I trained in that specifically for probably close to 20 years. Um, jiu-jitsu is probably a little more around the 10 year mark. I have my purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, where in mixed martial arts, I actually last year got my fourth degree black belt. Fuck so yeah. yeah, I've been doing it for a long time. Um, savage, but yeah, anyways, in, in jiu-jitsu, I got this accidental headbutt and it just, it kind of took me out of the game. So it took me out of fire. I mean, um, I lost my license for a couple months. I had a couple seizures based off of that. Um, and it was nothing, it was nothing too alarming. It was a seizure, uh, post concussion syndrome kind mm-hmm. of deal. Kind of like a TBI related seizure. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but I mean, developed a pretty big stutter. My memory was super foggy. Uh, my balance it was kind of like I was drunk all the time. Yeah, dude. I remember that stuff. You're, you're pretty fucked up, man. Yeah. Like bad. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was gnarly. Yeah. Concussions are nothing to mess around with. No. Yeah. So after your injury and everything like that, after your fire experience, you naturally kind of used all of this background knowledge to get into the world of personal fitness. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I would really say I just needed to get back on my feet again. So I really, once I could work again, I started, um, with a warehouse job and kind of moved up through the ranks with that, but, uh, really, found I enjoyed working with uh, young adults and developing them, even if it's in just like a professional workplace. Um, But at the end of the day, I was moving boxes of freaking clothes for a living, Mm -hmm. you know, and that wasn't, that wasn't what I wanted to do. So doesn't uh, sound very fulfilling, especially with this background that you have. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, Oh, I got to do something more. Like there's something better I can do. And, uh, you know, and I was still, I was still training in martial arts. I wasn't fighting anymore but I was still training it. And, uh, you know, this, this, this guy, Matt Pendola, who I, uh, work out of his gym now, 
he was looking for someone to learn how to box, teach him how to box a little bit. So, um, just recently he kind of, he, he got a hold of me and, um, uh, not recently, it was a little over a year ago. And, um, I started coaching him and he just kind of liked it and, um, liked what I was doing, liked how I taught. Um, and then we kind of just grew from there. Nice, man. So previously to that, you were into the CrossFit thing. You were always lifting weights. You're always like had a fitness background. So what exactly do you specialize in now? Okay. Yeah. Good question. Um, so as far as my physical training goes, um, I got into CrossFit after my concussions. Uh, freaking loved it. I mean, it's just like... That's one hell of a step off. So I had a concussion, then I got into CrossFit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes total sense. Fucking everybody <laughs> would do that, right? Of course. Yeah. So um, really got into competing in that. Uh, enjoyed it. Got uh, certified um, with my CrossFit level one. Um, and I was totally sold. And then... I started to expand my knowledge a little bit, uh, read a little bit more about anatomy, about training, kind of just grow a little bit more. And I started to, I don't want to say disagree with how CrossFit is done. I think there's a smart way to do it. And I think, you know, I have my own opinions on that, but, um, I think there's better ways to cater to people. That's the thing though, is like CrossFit, I totally, you know, I drink the CrossFit Kool-Aid. I'm all about it. Right. But there's also a smart approach, like you're saying to it. It's not a one size fits all kind of program. That's not CrossFit, man. That's, I mean, do they try and cater to the lower level athlete, the entry level athlete? I'd say they do a good job, but there's also better stepping stones to that. Right. Yeah. I think CrossFit is very catered to someone that can take abuse. Yeah. Right. I think, I think it's just awesome for anybody, you know, 16 to, you know, maybe late thirties. But then after that, I mean, we all start to develop these kinks, injuries. I mean, I think you and I both have gnarly shoulder injuries. Yeah. And uh, and so that's when I started. I also have a pretty bad neck. And so when I was doing overhead presses in CrossFit, my neck would go out and... It'd I, put you down for a while. Yeah, it put me down for like a week. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, man, there's got to be something else. No, oh, there's always something else. Right. Yeah. And so that's where it really started to expand my knowledge and kind of you know, I wanted to rehab this and do it right. So as far as like the rehab thing and like taking a different approach to things, what is your like go-to approach for fitness? Cause you mentioned the rehab thing too. That's right. That's huge. Especially right. with dudes like you and I who are just banged up from a fire season or a mixed martial artist point of view or whatever. So what's your approach for that? That's a rabbit hole question. That's a good one though. So go down um, it, dude. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so I started interning with Matt Pindola six months. Uh, the guy is just an absolute stud in the fitness industry. Um, you know, I think he really has a strong leg in, uh, strength for endurance athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've, I've been able to learn a lot from him. So we really took the approach or he really taught me the approach of, um, doing an assessment. And so kind of just going through, um, a mobility and stability assessment. So, um, there's this really cool saying where, um, when mobility and stability, or I'm sorry, when strength outruns your mobility and stability, that's when injuries occur. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So think about it. If you can stand on one leg with one leg up, you know, or you can't do it, maybe your legs shaking all over the place and then you close your eyes and see if you can still stand on one leg. Well, if you can do it for like a minute, you know, that's a pretty good indication that, Hey, you're pretty stable. Um, you know, it doesn't really indicate mobility all that much, but you know, 
But if you can't do it, you probably have no business being under a bar doing a freaking back squat. Fair enough. You know, so um, I guess that would be a really good example of how we kind of go through things and how do I approach things like this. So um, I do a lot of, uh, when I first met Matt, he had me do these, uh, basically we call them face pull-aparts, but you're pulling with your scapulas. So for example, if you vision you know, someone putting the blade of their hand on your spine and then you want to pinch it with your shoulder blades. It's kind of cool that you're actually developed, you are experienced with this particular movement because not a lot of people think about that. Like your scap is like the most underutilized thing, arguably in your body. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Um, and that has like cascading effects throughout your entire body, especially your shoulders, man. Yeah. Your shoulders, but you can even dive deeper into that. I mean, it affects your posture. So if you think about it, there's, there's a relationship between your pecs and your traps. Yeah. So if your pec is locked short, right, you see all these kids, everybody's driving, everybody's on their freaking phones all the time. Everybody's got their neck forward, their shoulders rolled forward, um, you know, desk jobs, things like that. So that basically their pecs are locked short, And then their rhomboids traps locked long. And so their scapula is actually stuck. So when you're in that position, it just, your scapulas don't move as well. Uh, With that being said, you can't breathe as well either. So, so it has this, like I said, cascading effect across your entire body. Yeah. So coming from a wildland firefighter perspective, you're wearing these heavy rucks basically all day for weeks on end, right? Mm -hmm. For six months at a time. And then you just go from, 120 miles an hour to crash course to practically freaking reverse. Yeah. I can imagine where, where you're hunched over like this, trying to support that pack that you have similar structure issues. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, you're in the, you're in the heat. So your heart rate's already elevated. You're uh, dealing with smoke. You, um, you have this ridiculous pack on your back. Um, you know, and packs are good. They, you know, they hold all your shit, but yeah. Um, you're still having a chunk line for hours on end. So when you're digging line, you're hunched over. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and you're not going to be able to breathe properly. Now, when you can't breathe properly, I'm going to get a little little deep in there. I know where this is going. This is going into the MMA world right here. Uh, A little bit, (laughs) yeah. So when you don't breathe properly, uh, which to me, breathing properly is diaphragmatic breathing. That's breathing into your stomach, essentially. Um, But if you stay in your thoracic or keep your breaths in your thoracic, your body can become very acidic due to the CO2 buildup. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your, your basically your soft tissues, your connective tissues um, get really tight, okay? Or your fascia gets really, really tight and you don't recover as well. No, lack of oxygen. I mean, yeah. in that environment where you're already kind of deprived, especially with just baseline oxygen content in the air, added particulates, added carbon monoxide, all that other shit, so right. now we're compounding a problem even more. Right. So systematically, your body's freaking the fuck out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and we call it a fight or flight response, which is your sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I think I think as far as the wildland firefighting, if you could get into some little pieces of where you're in a parasympathetic, which is basically your rest and digest mode, um, it would be hugely beneficial just learning learning how to put your body into a rest and digest kind of mode 
you know, there's, there's a lot of things you're not gonna be able to um, control. I mean, I've definitely been on a fire for hours and hours and hours on it on end where your body's in full stress mode. You're, you're to the max. It's part of the job. Yeah. You're getting your ass handed to you. Yeah. You know, embrace the suck. But afterwards, you know, it's, it's vital that you get your nervous system into recovery mode. You got any tips and tricks on how to do that? Absolutely. So, um, first and foremost, it's going to come down to breathing. So this, this will get a little martial artsy. Yeah. You know, going into breathing techniques, but super important. That's good too. It sounds like you had some mindfulness techniques as well Yeah, to go along with this. So this is good shit. I'm all about the Zen master stuff. So good. Yeah. We can pass this knowledge on to the people that are listening. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Folks out there, listen up. So, uh, parasympathetic nervous system. Okay. So being in that state, um, you want to do belly breathing. Um, you can also call it circumferential breathing. So if you lay on your back, and you take a breath into your stomach, you could put your hand on your stomach and one hand on your chest. You want your stomach or your, your stomach hand to rise first and then the hand on your chest to rise second. Um, so that just makes sure that air is flowing from the bottom up. Now what that'll do is it'll stimulate your vagus nerve. Drop your heart rate. Exactly. So the vagus nerve is a direct line to the brain. And um, when you stimulate that vagus nerve, it releases a hormone acetylcholine, which will actually, um, it'll help your blood vessels dilate a little bit into your gut. That's why I say the rest and digest right here. And it helps with nutrient absorption. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you get better blood flow through there. And on top of that, yes, it drops your heart rate. Um, you hit your REM sleep. So this is good practice to like do this at night when you're about to rack out. Totally. Okay. hundred percent. Now what about the inverse situation where you're on the line and getting your ass kicked. Is there any techniques for that? Um, I would say that's going to come with preparation. Okay. So, uh, long story short, I mean, you have to have good posture and good core and, you know, and being able to being prepared to take that beating. It's kind of funny that uh, you mentioned the core thing, too, because we always stress the sit-ups, you know, like, oh, yeah, we got to work out our core. We always work out our core. I try and make that a point to, you know, stabilize that core, at least with my PT programs that I'm running. A lot of people forget that your core surrounds your body. So your back is also a part of that. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm on board 100%. Um, you know, I think one of the best core exercises out there is a farmer's walk. Um, I love them. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know what a farmer's walk is, it's when you have a, a weight in each hand and you, and you just walk. But the goal is to be in control at all times. So when you, when you have these, when you have these weights, you're in control, ready to roll kind of thing. Okay. And you are going, you're going to retract your scaps, which means pull your scapulas back, pull your shoulders back. Okay. And then you're going to grip the living crap out of those weights. Now, when you grip the weights, the the technique is called muscular irradiation. And so when you squeeze the, the weight, the harder you squeeze, you can actually feel the muscles in your lats and your back engage as well. It's that whole premise of a quarter extremity motion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that'll really, that can really help teach that a little bit. Um, and then your core, you want to think, you, you know, you can, you can flex your core, but then you can also pull your core down. Like towards your pelvis. Yeah, exactly. So you can look at it that way. You can look at it in a sense where you're pulling your belly button to your spine. 
Mm-hmm. So you're shortening that distance almost between your thoracic and your pelvis. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And now what about unilateral farmers carries? Like just one arm. Awesome. You love it? Freaking love them. Okay. So now we're getting to the unilateral movements thing. You have bilateral where you're carrying equal weight mm-hmm. across your, I guess that'd be your frontal plane, right? Yeah. Yeah. Your frontal plane. So carrying shit side by side. Right. Unilateral, you're just loading one side and then you switch or vice versa. What are the benefits of that? Yeah. So um, you really work in a spiral alignment. So think your shoulder to your opposite hip. So right shoulder, left hip. Okay. Um, And then that leg travels the same way down. So when you are loading that, you are teaching your core how to load in a spiral manner. Now, if you think about um, if you're digging line, if you're on a rogue, if you're on a Plasky, McLeod, any of that stuff, um, you're not you don't have both your hands on one side of your body digging. You're going in a diagonal manner, right? I mean, it's coming down, but your hands that that handle is pretty much diagonal when you go to dig. Yeah. Yeah. So um, working that spiral line is going to be huge. Okay. And so the unilateral motions, actually doing it, preparing, uh, preparing for the actual motion, very valuable, right? Yeah. Yeah. Learning how to load your core properly in, in definitely a like metabolic manner, in a stagnant manner. Okay. So since we're talking about metabolic, catabolic, all that stuff like mm-hmm. that, aerobic versus anaerobic, what do you think is more valuable? Um, they, they both have their place. I think in fire world, it's uh, embrace the suck, endure the race on that one. So um, I think you get a little more out of aerobic um, in regards to just like it, it directly relates a little yeah. bit more. You're going for a long period of time. You're thinking uh, steady state stamina. Okay. Ex- expand on that. So, um, so your anaerobic threshold. So let's say you're doing a max power workout, something like that. Um, your actual like hit training, high intensity training, your threshold is about six and a half seconds before you start getting gassed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and generally you need at least five parts rest. So a lot of times I'll go 10 seconds on 50 seconds off. I gotcha. So let's say you're on a sled push and you put 500 pounds in the sled and you have to push that sled seven yards and you have seven seconds to do it. Okay. Okay. And you get, let's say you get uh, 50 seconds off and then you have to repeat that same deal. So right here you're working on your energy system development and your explosive power. So that would be, correct me if I'm wrong here. So you have your three metabolic pathways, right? You got Mm -hmm. your oxalytic, which is going to be your high intensity or high endurance phase, right? Yes. I'm trying to remember all these. It's been a long time since I took my level one. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember those right now. Yeah, I'm trying to remember them too. Um, blowing smoke out my ass here. Yeah. Anyways, so there's three metabolic pathways. One is basically like you're short. I'm going to lift this Buick off of something. Then there's like, okay, I'm going to re- lift this several times. And then I'm also going to run. The third way is going to be, I'm going to run a marathon essentially. Right. Yeah, and all three play play a really strong role. So, um, you well, know, kind of like co- they're almost kind of like those energy systems are all kind of codependent on each other. You can't have one without the other. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, and that's when you get into genetics, where we have two different muscle fibers. You have, you know, uh, type type two X muscle fibers, which is your explosive muscle fibers, mm-hmm. right? And then you have your type one, 
which is, you know, they're a little bit longer. They're not that fast twitch. Yeah. So, and some people are just, uh, genetically, I mean, that's why you have people that are very skinny and, uh, and can go and run. Yeah. Right. So they're not going to have that fast twitch or mm. not as many. They will have it. They just won't have as many. We're like me, I'm built like a, like a refrigerator with legs, you know, I pretty much am only made a fast twitch and you know, you make me run a mile. I'm going to be, you're going to be gassed. Yeah. I'll be sucking some wind here. Yeah. Right. And that's just how I'm built. Um, it just takes longer to train that though too. I mean, you can eventually get there, but you're going to have to work exactly twice, three times as hard. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like 500 pounds on the sled pushing, you know, seven yards in seven seconds. No problem. Yeah. Welcome to my house. Absolutely. <laughs> But, you know, watch me deadlift this Buick. <laughs> right. Right. But I remember in Wildland, I mean, I really struggled on the hikes at first. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm a shitty hiker. Yeah. Like straight up. I, I suck at it. Yeah. Yeah. If you want Ugthar wants to go pick up heavy shit, that, that's my game. Right. I could do that. Yeah. I could sprint long distance. Mm. No. No. No, thanks. No. Yeah. Give me the day where we do the weighted PT hikes. I'd be like, all right. Let's do this. Slow and steady. Let's, it's my game. <laughs> so well it's funny though too because um you know i'm sure you had it in your fire experience You're like oh we're going for a fucking run again oh i hate this shit right there's yeah. always that that group of people that hate it so as far as like embracing the suck and getting better at running something that you're not good at what is like your motivation there like how do you motivate your clients mm-hmm. or your former firefighters to like just suck it up get better at it to learn how to enjoy it Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's this quite frankly, um, for my wildland guys out there, this is going to be a lot of work on your own in the off season. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, if you don't want to suck on it (laughs) or suck at it, suck on it, suck on it. (laughs) When When you're on the crew in the summertime, like you need to, you need to be on a program to slowly get better, incrementally better. Mm -hmm. So then it's just, you're, you're, you set yourself up for success. And that's where someone like you comes in. Right. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, I would, I would definitely say there's the first things first is to focus on your breathing techniques, um, while you're running. So you shot me a couple of those texts. Uh, we were texting back and forth when I was on an assignment, I was like doing some trail running and stuff and messing around with these breathing things, dude. It was fun, but I had no idea how hard it was, man. Yeah, it is. It's hard. Yeah. Talk about someone that can run like a six minute mile and now you can only run a 10 minute mile. Yeah. Because you're breathing once every three seconds. Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, this, this is a huge thing for everybody. I think this should, you know, be incorporated into just your regular athletes, average, average Joe's, uh, should be done with your hiking, your, your PT runs, right? Cause your physical training runs is to get better. And so this is yeah. really going to maximize, um, your breaths. So, um, it's called bilateral breathing. So you're a lot of people though. You'll find if you actually let go and focus on what you currently do for your run, you'll notice that you'll exhale on the same leg every single time. That's kind of how we've been trained though. That's like a, I don't know. That's like ingrained with us. I don't know if that's like a biological thing or if it's just like how we've been trained to run. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know. Yeah, it totally could be a biological thing, but we're just, we have these habits, right? Like when you drive, you've, most people only use their left hand. That's me. Guilty. Right. Yeah. It's just like a natural thing to do. Um, 
doesn't mean it's the most efficient. Not necessarily. No. Right. Um, so when you are in, when you're doing bilateral breathing, you're, or when you're in unilateral breathing, I should say, and you're exhaling on your right leg every single time, you are hammering the living crap out of your hip flexor on that side. I wonder if that's why I walk around like slightly tilted to this side just because yeah. I've been beating the shit on myself like for yeah. years and years and years. Yeah, I know I do. Yeah. Like my right lower back is just a nightmare. And I've been working the last six months to try and fix it. But, you know, we're making progress. We're just not quite there yet. But, um, you know, then you step into bilateral breathing. So that is, let's, for an example, you're going to inhale for three steps, not three seconds, three steps. And then you only exhale for two steps. I gotcha. Yeah. So that way you're alternating your inhalation, exhalation, um, on what side you're doing that on. And on top of that, make it nose breathing only. That was the hard part for me. Cause yeah. I'd be like, I'd be doing this up and down like terrain. Right. So I'd have elevation gain and dude, it was hard, but yeah. you know what I've noticed about it is like the next day I didn't feel like shit. I didn't, I right. recovered better. It was weird. I was running, you know, I don't know, probably a plus two minute average. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it sucked. Right. I was slow. Felt like I wasn't doing a goddamn thing, but my recovery way better. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes when you're doing these aerobic exercises, it's not about the mileage, it's about the minutes. That's fair enough. Yeah. Right. You're trying to get to really get an aerobic effect. You effect you want that, you know, 30 minutes minimum. Who gives a shit about how far you ran or about how you ran it? Yeah. Did right? you feel like shit while you're doing it? Were you making progress or was it like a recovery run or something? Um, I would say this is more you know, more like a training style run. Like just, I'm going to start at the bottom here. Okay. Right. And this is where, where I really want to start. And quite frankly, if you want to really try this, I would start with a walk. No shit. Yeah. I would try it as like, a, actually I recommend that too. Cause I just kind of went balls deep into it and it, <laughs> yeah. it was hard. You jump into it. It's like a world of hurt. Oh yeah. But, um, you know, I would, I think when I first started doing that, my first week I just did like a 30 minute walk every day but I did a five, four breathing pattern. Okay. So I was going slower. So there I'm able to practice bigger breaths, right. And I have to get that diaphragm breathing. Yeah. You really expand your lung capacity mm-hmm. so. and you're getting some, uh, light intensity, um, uh, work in aerobic work in. I gotcha. So as far as like benefits that you're going to see from this type of breathing, when you're doing uh, aerobic mm-hmm. exercise, uh, once you work your way up to that, what are you going to be your uh, primary benefits? Like you need increase in VO2 max, like what's going on here? Yeah, you know, I haven't studied too much about VO2 maxes. Um, it's definitely on the list to get get a little more information on. Um, big thing you're going to notice is your, your gait is going to change. So your cadence uh, when you run, um, how your foot strike will change a little bit. Um, you're going to be a lot more equal as far as your pressure goes. Okay. Um, and then on top of that, your breathing is a, something you have to practice. It is. It's a very mindful thing, especially when you're yeah doing it at a pace or a cadence. Right. And a lot of times people's diaphragms are just locked. They're just flat out. There's fascia that goes all around us. And that fascia specifically just gets really tight and really locked. So, um, I think by doing this breathing exercise, you're going to be working on your posture as well. 
I never even thought of about that, the whole posture thing. I thought, I mean, if you're truly belly breathing, you have to be in a chest up. Yeah. Area, like, f- as far as posture goes, you have to be a chest up. Yeah. Running. So it's going to improve your posture. Something I didn't even think about. Yeah. Your, your core is everything. Oh, yeah. Freaking everything. Well, it has a lot of benefits in the long run, too, because if you have a strong core, typically you're going to be strong everywhere else. Right. Yeah. Right. The whole premise of core to extremity, move, motion, movement, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's everything. Right. I, I just call it a, like a core connect. Core connect? Core connect, my man. Keep it simple. Yeah. I like it. So you're just really doing everything from your core. If you're lifting overhead, you're not arching your lower back. No. Right? And most, I would say probably 75% of people do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't know how to stabilize. Right, exactly. Yeah. And not only that, their shoulders are rounded forward. So they don't have the freaking mobility to get their hand over their head. Uh, this is one thing I see in CrossFit all the time. Yeah. That I guess it's that whole notion of like you got to crawl before you walk and you definitely have to walk before you run. And then you see these people. I think that's where injuries come from in the CrossFit realm is people trying to step up to that plate and play pro league when they're not even out of Bush League yet. Right. They so. don't have the mobility to even get into that position. Well, yeah, this this shit is not built overnight. Just because you could throw a couple pounds over your head doesn't mean you're going to go do a max snatch or split jerk or whatever, you know. You got to work up to this. And this that's I think that's what a lot of people really fail to realize is that this shit is built over years and years and years of expertise and learning, right? Yeah. You can't just go in there and lift heavy shit over your head. No, if you can't, I guess it, you can't perform a high technical, highly skilled technical movement with no basis or foundation. Right, exactly. And, you know, you may, if you're young, you'll be able to hold out for a little bit. You'll be able to tough it out, but then eventually something's going to break and it'll be big. Oh, yeah. And the long-term effects of that, too. I mean, even if it's something small, those repetitive injuries over time, they're going to build up into something big, like you're just saying. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I had a 500 pound deadlift. And then when I went to, uh, Matt Pendola, I could, he had me doing exercises where I could barely lift two and a half pound plates for a minute Are you serious? over my head. Cause I didn't have the extension or the proper mobility in my thoracic or the core. <laughs> but so you're sitting there struggling and you're like just humbled yeah, at that point. Yeah. Slice humble by, I was, I was pissed off too. <laughs> Oh man, but that's it's it's good though to keep that perspective and be humble about this stuff because fitness is a lifelong journey typically, and it's a critical thing for wildland firefighters. Our lives literally depend on it, right? Absolutely. So going to the wildland firefighter thing, what are some like pro tips that you have as far as like the way we or, scratch that? Let's actually talk about how we look at the fitness program as a whole because it's pretty much uniform over. I mean, there's a lot of differences, but it's pretty much uniform over all the agencies, right? I would say so. What, what would you, I mean, I've been out of the game for a while. How would you explain a standard week of wildland PT? You run, you hike, you run, you run, you hike, you hike, you run. Right. Pull-ups, push-ups, sit-ups. Right. Intermixed in between. Okay. That shit pisses me off to the highest order. Okay. <laughs> I, I, it, the reason being, I, it, there's a reason why it pisses me off is because we're not being, we're not looking at fitness as a whole, right? We're not looking at the balance aspect of it. We're just looking at the things that we do instead of like reaching out 
doing strength training, which we need. We're just doing high-end cardio shit and calisthenics, essentially. Right. I think it opens you up to injury if you do the same thing over and over and over again, and you don't get any results out of it. Yes, 100%. So this is an awesome topic. Um, I look at this in a sense where we're going from, okay, do we want callus training, which is just pin it, full sand, right? Embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. Like, And I, I think there's a time and place for callus training. Um, I guarantee you when I was a new guy on the crew, like I needed that shit, yeah. you know, toughened me up a little bit. It was great. Well, it has its purpose as far as like, toughen up buttercup kind of mentality you yeah because this shit is hard it's 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 and it's part of the culture yeah it's part of the culture mm-hmm. but then you have the other side of it where you also need to have some smart training right exactly and um you know it needs to have purpose that's one thing too it's like a lot of the workouts it doesn't seem and i'm pretty sure this can be you know sympathized across the entire agency all agencies all departments everything right we don't have a purpose behind our training we just like i said earlier ugthar want lift heavy shit so what's the purpose behind it right um yeah so how i would look at this um going to go into like maybe a week's worth of training kind of thing send it dude all right cool cool um so a lot of the stuff off of what you what you explained there you have uh, overused muscles, which we'll call hypertonic, and you have underused muscles, which is hypotonic. Okay. Okay. So, you know, a lot of the running, a lot of um, hiking, it's going to be very heavy on your quads. It's going to be very heavy on your hip flexors. Well, you have two muscles that that pair together, and it's called reciprocal inhibition. But basically, it's a relationship between, for an example, here would be the quad and the hamstring. Okay. Right. So hamstring is, you know, responsible for pulling motion. Yeah. You can't have one without the other as well. So. Exactly. But, you know, you're leaned forward. You definitely have a break in your hips when you're hiking uphill. Yeah. You know, it's almost a hinge motion with a lunge. Exactly. So you're not yeah. getting any hamstring work there. No. You know, it might be a little bit, but I would say, you know, maybe 80% of the work is in your quads. Yeah. That and your flexors as well too. Cause like how many times have you come off of a hill and like your quads are burning and your hip flexors are just like on fire. Yeah. Smoked. And then you have the weight of your pack. Exactly. Right. So you are shutting off your hamstrings or your hamstrings aren't getting any work in and your glutes are not activated. Which is important too. Cause that's part of, that's an extension of your, well, it's all an extension of your core, I guess you could say, but yeah, totally. But yeah. You know, a lot of people, if you stand straight up and down and you squeeze your glutes, you might feel a little bit of a stretch in your quads and hip flexors. Hmm. I've yeah. never even tried that. Yeah. I got to try this. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's it's definitely something to think about because those hip flexors are so tight because that's what your quads tie into. Um, and so hamstring work is going to be huge. Okay. Absolutely huge. Um I wouldn't even like worry about doing a squat. No. You know, in your PT. Well, you're doing it all the time, essentially. Right. You get, you know, thousands of single leg squats if you're hiking up a hill. Yeah. Right. So, um, with that being said, I would work on hamstring. I would work on, uh, getting your glutes fired up. You know, you can do that with a glute bridge. That's where you lay on your back, you pull your feet or you pull your heels into your butt and basically bridge. Yeah. So you have a straight line from your kneecap to your shoulder. You could just say it how it is, man. You just you're you're hu- air humping. 
Yeah, yeah, get a <laughs> get a nice uh, thrust going there, right? Hip thrust, yeah, yeah. So things like that definitely need to be done a lot more. Um, push-ups, I think push-ups are awesome. I hate them. Yeah, probably because I have shoulder problems. Right, but push-ups are actually pretty good for your shoulders if you do them right. If you do them right, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, shit. I should make like a YouTube video on this, but the proper push-up. Yeah, the proper push-up, man. Uh, so, but think pull work, right? Um, with, with firefighting, when you're digging line, when you're running a saw, when you're uh, swamping, um, any of that stuff, your shoulders are rounded forward, your arms are in front of you, right? There's not a whole lot of pulling motion where your scaps are going to be squeezing together. Well, it's like inherently a, a shitty position to be in. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Think of how awkward a saw. You're lifting a 30-pound object overhead, sometimes overhead. Jesus. Don't try this at yeah. <laughs> But it's think of you like prepping line to burn, right? just constantly doing you know overhead basically a one-arm snatch but in a very very unnatural right. motion yeah you can you can even look at like trimming drip lines around trees you know yeah that, that you're going to be overhead trying to get the branches so you know um but yeah that you have weight in front of you pulling on your lower back on top of that you have a giant weight on your back you know and so that's where the core work comes in so um I mean, quite frankly, if you just think about if you're in strength training and you work your hamstrings, your butt, your core and your back, you're going to be in a lot, lot better physical shape for the job you do because everything front is already hypertonic. It's already overused. Yeah. So you're already working in front. So why are we doing pushups? doesn't make a lot of sense. doesn't make a lot of sense. Your pecs are already smoked, right? So you're just over smoking those things, Mm -hmm. right? Where your back is asleep. So you're not activating anything in your back. Right. Yeah. You're just, yeah, that makes sense. That that explains too, like why we have so many back injuries. Oh yeah. Dude, you just like leaned over the entire time. Right. Yeah. You have no effort of compensating for that besides the weight of your pack. Right. And then you have full on resistance. I mean, you throw your tool into the dirt and then you drag. Yeah. Right. And so you get a little pull there, but are you in a, proper alignment when you do that pull hell no man you're on like a 35 degree plus even greater slope right you're hosed yeah 35 degrees it's gnarly um (laughs) (laughs) it gets worse (laughs) yeah (laughs) holy shit (laughs) jesus man but yeah i mean no it makes sense though is like all these things what i'm getting at i guess is like all these things are kind of stacking up and adding up and that's why we have a lot of injuries, specifically to knees, backs, and shoulders. Mm-hmm. This is, that's what I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah, your knees just take an absolute beating. Um, you know, all my clients that have ACL issues, um, I, don't, I don't do any squat with them. No, they're already built up on their quads. It's usually, with an ACL injury, it's usually like a, a glute or a hamstring issue that's destabilizing that knee. At least that's what I've been told from a couple of PTs. I don't know if, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, so um, my let's take my dad for an example. He doesn't have a freaking ACL on his knee. No, and he's a bad MFer at jits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's legit. Um, but basically, I've been training him and doing as much stabilizing work on one leg, and then just blasting his hamstrings and glutes as mm-hmm. much as I can. And his pain has decreased significantly. Like he's, he's a lot more mobile. He's able to move better. He's walking better without a limp, you know, things of that nature. But, um, you know, like I said, your quads, there's just so much pressure, pressure on your ACL, um, especially your quads being overdeveloped 
and um, you when your shin goes into a positive angle, so let's say like your knee is over your toes, yeah, that's putting pressure in the ACL. Hmm. That's put weight. That puts weight in the ACL. So I'm looking at doing training where my shin is at a vertical angle, straight up and down. I got you. Yeah. So as far as like <clears throat> reducing injuries and everything like that, I mean, mm-hmm. you're taking a more preventative approach to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll just call it cyclic movement here. Okay. You're hunched over, you're hiking, you know, it's a very, you, you do it thousands of reps. It's no different than, you know, walking with a limp. It's going to jack your whole system up. Right. Um, and then we're looking at <clears throat> mechanically loading the opposite motion. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So it's really basic if you if you take a step back and just kind of look at, okay, these are the motions we're doing and we're forward. Now, in order to strengthen that, I need to do the opposite motion. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So we kind of brushed upon it before, but you're talking about like bringing you, bringing you through, or the audience, bringing the audience through a typical week of preseason training. Like what would you throw out there? So um, I would throw in... And, and we're talking preseason. We're not, yeah, not in the suck yet. Not right. in the suck yet. All right, cool. Not hell week. So I would say you need to have easy and hard days. Um, you know, especially on the aerobic side of things. So I would have, let's say we're training four, four days a week. Okay. Um, I would have some sort of aerobic exercise every day, every day, every day. So with that being said, because that's, I mean, that's the moneymaker in wildland firefighting. Yeah. I, I mean, to a degree, I think. Yeah. I think if you're like, like I said earlier, if you're getting into the point where you're overtraining or doing the same run over and over and over again, right. then it's like, well, one, it's boring. And two, what are you getting out of it? Right. So you can run, but do an easy, easy walk. I bet everybody out there listening is going to be like, yeah, this guy, much. this yeah. guy, I know. walk, that's not PT, walk. call it a hike, All right. do your, go do a hike nice and slow and do your breathing exercise, do the four, three, the five, four, do okay. a three, two, and it'll smoke you, hmm. but it's not hard on your joints. It actually brings a nice light blood flow to your whole system. It makes you feel really good. And that would be the day that you would also do like a total body integration strength training where you're working your hamstrings, your glutes and your back. In your core. Okay. And you're talking about like strictly weight training, like not like hit training by any, tra- any, any means. No, I'm not talking about hit training. Okay. Yeah. Cause basically what we're trying to do is stabilize, you know, there's, there's a time and place for that hit training. Um, and there's not a lot of business with it. Um, if you don't have mobility or stability. And that's another thing too, is like, explain the the mobility versus stability thing because a lot of people get that confused but i try and preach to people at least that i work with that the more mobile you are less strong you are less stable you are right yeah there's definitely those points of being hypermobile yeah where you're um you have too much laxity in your joints and you're definitely at risk of uh increasing injury but also if you're under mobile it's just it's the same you kind of want to be right in the middle um, so for you guys, if you're really curious about the mobility stability, you can, um, check out something called the joint by joint theory. Um, and it's a really cool one I learned through my certification. Um, and basically what it is, if you think about your body, um, you have your major joints, you have ankle, knee, hip. Um, so your ankle, 
you're going to want mobility. You want your ankle moving at all times, but your knee, you're going to want stability in that knee joint. Okay. So like if your knees wiggling side to side, I mean, you got some problems. You're yeah. definitely not stable there, but that's just a hinge joint, right? It's just it's a pretty simple hinge joint too. Right. Yeah. It just has uh, extension and flexion. That's it. Where the ankle, you know, is it, I forget the technical term of it, but you know, rotates around a ball, right? Yeah. And same thing with your shoulder. Do you want your, your shoulder? I mean, I would say you definitely want stability in that shoulder in certain positions, but you want that shoulder to be able to move forward, move back, move up, move down. So um, that's how it's supposed to move. That's how it's designed to move. But being able to stabilize through those um, ranges of motion. I gotcha. So does that does that kind of hit that question at all? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit? Yeah. Okay. Um, another way I could hit it is you want to think about um, mobilizing mobilizing the front line, so the front of your body. So you want to get your pecs stretched out. You want your hip flexors and quads to stretch out a little bit. And then you really want to activate your back line. Especially for us. Yes. Yeah. And this is just like a gen pop tool. I mean, with all like the desk jobs, the uh, hunched over at a computer, texting, driving. So by gen pop, you mean general population? Yep. Okay. Yep. So mobilize your pecs. Mobilize the pecs. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's funny, man. I mean, all this stuff has a, a very tight role in preventing injuries. So as far as injuries go, what do you see the most of as far as injuries in a wildland fire context? Uh, wildland, I would say back and shoulders, back and shoulders. Yeah. Do you think that's just all posture related and, or over, overuse injury? Both, both. Yeah. hundred percent. I think, uh, those two go hand in hand because if you have good posture, um, and you're in good spinal alignment while you're digging the line, which never happens. I don't know if I've ever done that before, it's but ne- it's a, that's a myth, dude. It's like finding a unicorn. They only exist on the internet. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> in a freaking perfect world. Um, but no, I would say the, those two go hand in hand. I mean, the over the labral tear that a lot of times happens um, over pretty common. Yeah. yeah. Swinging overhead. Yeah. But you're in this frontal position that shoulders rounded forward. Yeah. And so it just gets completely abused and pinched because it doesn't know how to move freely through the socket. Gotcha. Yeah. So as far as like uh, over training I know we see that a lot, mm-hmm. especially in our field of work. Mm-hmm. You probably see it a lot too. If you're, you know, with your more athletic clientele, you get it, we get into this this idea in our heads that if we train more, we're gonna get better. Not necessarily the case. So, as far as like overtraining, what's some tips you got for us? Yeah. So your body's very smart, and you got to learn how to listen to it. Okay. <laughs> we're not good at that. <laughs> yeah. None of us are. <laughs> um, but. You know, there's going to be those days where you wake up and um, you you feel like you can't walk because you're you worked your hamstrings and your glutes way too much. Yeah. Right. If you're at the point where you're in pain, you know, you, you did it wrong. Yeah. Don't PT. Take a rest day. Yeah. But not only rest day, go. That would be a day where you go for a walk. Yeah. Rest day. I mean, like active recovery day. Well, yeah. Perfect. Great yeah. way of putting it. Active recovery. Going for a walk. Um, get some light stretching in, mobilize, get your breathing techniques in, right? Kind of reset your system a little bit, you know, get your get your diet on point. But also take notes of the weights you used and how many reps and how many sets and um, 
learn how to regress that a little bit. Kind of like a deloading phase almost. Yeah. Be like, okay, that was too much. Okay. I call that a set point. You just created yourself a set point. Like this hurts. Okay. I know my limits, but this is my threshold. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because you want to do, you, you want to work your whole body two to three days a week. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, by doing hamstring on Monday and you're still sore on Thursday, yeah. you can't do hamstrings again. You're actually doing yourself a disservice by work, you know, going full send and, and working your hamstrings. Yeah. <laughs> Deadlifting a Buick thing again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Damn near injuring yourself. Jesus, man. As far as like the rhabdo thing, what do you think about that? Cause I know that's an all too common thing. This, I don't know if you've experienced anybody that had rhabdo or. Any, yeah, I have. Yeah. Oh, you personally. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. It freaking sucks. Yeah. So as far as, you know, the overtraining thing mm-hmm. and preventing rhabdo, what do you got for us there? What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're talking about things like pre-workout plays into rhabdo. Like, yeah, you know, you, you, your body is just on such a high level right there and you're so jacked up. I don't know about you guys, but pre-workout just I, like, I feel it in my earlobes and <laughs> in, my, in my face and my, it makes face me go is nuts. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. Um, what's that, that shit that they put in there? It's uh, uh beta alanine. Is that what it is? I think that's what gives you like the tingly feeling. Okay. And I, I, I don't like it. I don't take pre-workout when I was younger. I used to, but I just maybe slam a cup of coffee if anything. Yeah. When I was like hardcore CrossFit, I was like, yeah, pre-workout. Yeah. (laughs) All day. C4. Let's go. Um, It's just garbage, man. Yeah. It's terrible. I mean, sometimes it's useful, I guess, but it's very few or far between. You could do the same thing with eating some sugar. Yeah. Yeah. I like to do coffee. Yeah. Coffee's good. I do drink a little bit of coffee before I work out, but a lot of people won't do that. No, I'm all into it, dude. I'm totally about the coffee. Most, most, uh, fire guys will be, I think. Unless yeah. I'm like feeling like crap if I had like a long night the night before, <laughs> maybe a little, little bit of pre-workout, but like a half, right? Not a full serving. I can't stand that shit. Yeah. And so at that point, just knowing your body, you know, make sure you're super hydrated. That's going to help. Cause basically what it is, is, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it's a buildup of, um, Shoot, I think it's like too much. Your body starts processing your protein. Yeah, it's in your muscles. Yeah, it's from when your muscles break down. Your Ke- kidneys. Ketones. Yeah, is it ketones? I, th- I want to say it's ketones, and your kidneys it can't process ketones very well. Yeah. Unless you're highly hydrated. Hmm. And so that's, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, I went to the doctor, and they're like, yeah, you totally have rhabdo. Drink water and electrolytes for two days. Creatine phosphate? No, creatine kenophosphate. Is that what it I'd is? have to list. I'd have to look at the MTDC report of like what to look for. There's a a CPK and a CT or CK test. Creatine kinase. Creatine kinase. Kinase. No, no. Someone out there who's a biologist or something like that. Correct yeah. us. But yeah, that's the test that you ask for. And if your level's over a certain threshold, you have rhabdo. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I remember waking up the next day. You don't get it immediately. I woke no, up. No, it's like a trickle effect. It's weird. Yeah. I woke up the next day. I'm like, holy shit, my back is just killing me i didn't even work my back yesterday I'm like what the heck is going on here and that's your kidneys failing yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i went to the doctor and they're like yeah dude the kidneys are hosed right now yeah, you're dying yeah okay and uh, i had to go back and keep getting tested for like three days and yeah and then i was fine i just drank ungodly amount of water yeah dude uh a couple of experiences that i had with it and the people that i've seen had it they were like hospitalized yeah 
hospitalized like for a week plus. Totally. Yeah, they're they're hosed, man. Yeah, that muscle uh, it gets like oddly swollen. Yes, I want to say is that's what happens a lot of the time. And well, it happens to me too because I I didn't know I had rhabdo. I didn't know what the hell it was. I thought I just like did too many pull ups, right? And it was from pull ups. Yeah, of course, right? So I go out there and I'm like doing my preseason thing. I'm like, right, let's do a pull up workout. Do like a pretty good pyramid, right? Mm-hmm. Come to find out, when you're doing pull up pyramids, you don't realize that you just did 120 pull ups. Yeah, like if you're off the couch, man, you, you can't do that shit. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. And that's where I was. I wasn't, you know, I thought I was like, oh, yeah, I'm good. Just run into this. But no. Right. So my muscles on my arms, my biceps, they're like swollen. It looked mm-hmm. like someone stuck like, I don't know, jello in there or something like right. that. And they're all swollen. and all puffy. Yeah. And now, like, later in my career, looking back at them, I'm like, dude, I had rhabdo and I didn't go to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I wonder how, like, under, maybe not underdiagnosed, but, like, unaware people there are out there that have had rhabdo, had these symptoms and just like never got it looked at. I bet it's pretty common. I actually bet it's a lot more common than, I than think people so. think because I mean, are generally people don't drink enough water. Oh yeah. No. And, uh, you know, sorry to you Gatorade lovers out there, but, uh, it's garbage, created garbage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Too much sugar. The electrolytes are crap. Um, you know, as far as that goes, I sprinkle a little bit of like gray sea salt or pink Himalayan sea salt. Mm-hmm. in my water so you take the more like holistic route yeah yeah 100 percent um you know there's a while back i was training i was doing double days all the time and around three or four o'clock every day i would just feel this crash and i changed my diet i changed how much water i was drinking and um i mean i was just in the i was in the weeds hmm. and then i started sprinkling um some sea salt into my water and i just jumped right back to life no shit yeah huh. so um you know i'm a since then, I've been like a absolutely firm believer of that. You know what I've been a, a big kick with is uh, the noon tablets and the oral IV. It's like little hydration packets. Yeah. It's just flavorless stuff that you throw in your water. Uh, the noon, it carbonates your water, so it's kind of cool. You just throw it in a canteen or whatever. It doesn't right. leave like a residue on your canteen or anything. Oh, good. Okay. Pound one of those. Some of them have caffeine in them. Dude, it'll pick you up like that. Yeah, I've seen those. I like those, actually. Yeah, um, yeah I was always... I always hated putting stuff in my canteens yeah it always like gets rotten smells like ass oh it smells like and then yeah and then you're freaking out there for 14 days and you got this rancid canteen full of nasty water yeah it's all sludge slimy and stuff but um yeah that's why i switched to sea salt too Hmm. well there we go and it's pretty easy to access what about like regular iodized salt I mean, we do have that in our MREs, but you do. That's going to be it's going to be different, though. It's going to be a no go on that one. Um, gosh, I wish I, I could remember why, hmm. but um, the the gray sea salt and the pink Himalayan sea salt that is um, just juiced with all the electrolytes. I think there's well, it's like more natural. It's unrefined, right? Exactly. Um, and I and I forget what it is in that in your regular table salt that and what it does to you but i think it just makes you retain a ton of water hmm. which is not good it's right. going to exacerbate those effects yeah 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 exactly hmm. speaking of like supplements and shit like that mm-hmm. i mean do you take any supplements i mean would you recommend anything especially in our realm mm. you know i i do take vitamin d3 but i don't know if you really need that when you're wildland firefighting yeah you're always out in the sun yeah you're always out in the sun if i mean if you're diehard like wear sunglasses all the time definitely take that okay um you know i do do uh turmeric 
and that helps reduce, you know, uh, inflammation. What about like fish oil too? Do you combine it with that at all or, you know, I'm, I don't really take fish oil. I should, I really should. <laughs> I should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I used to for a while and then, um, I just kind of got off that kick a little bit, but, um, yeah, highly recommend fish oil. Um, I really don't take a ton of stuff. I'm, I'm generally just, uh, I just eat well. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a luxury that we do not have. I mean, let's get into the nutri- nutrition topic. Yeah, totally. dude, MREs. fire lunches, yeah. MREs, the catering. I remember I got fat from a fire a couple times. Would you go to Texas? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of where it was. Um, yeah, I think I was down in like Caliente, and it was one where we just freaking staged on a line for like twelve days. Oh, that's the worst. It was probably like the worst fire I've ever been on. Yeah, especially in that area. It's it's just hotter than shit. Yeah, I think it was 112 degrees like every day. Oh, yeah. And you just stand. <laughs> <laughs> You're just standing and... Babysitting a fire. Yeah, just make sure it doesn't cross this line. And it was, you know, in a protected area. And they're just like, let it burn. Don't let it cross the road. So we stayed on the road. <laughs> Could you even prep the road or anything? No, no, it was already prepped. It was, it was, it was good. already good. You're it was just, just a plain dirt road. Yeah, hmm. it was already, you know, 15 feet wide probably. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Well, can we help it along a little bit? Put some fire on the ground. Yeah. No. 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 We staged and just watched it slowly singe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that happens though. It's kind of one of those things. It's like you got to take the good and the bad because you have right. epic fires where you're doing a bunch of cool shit all the time. Right. Or you're doing that. Yeah. Talk about mentally being calloused. That was probably the hardest fire for me. Really? Yeah, hundred percent. There's always going to be that fire. That just like fire. standing still, not doing anything. Just like, oh god. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of like callousing and like training for toughness, mm-hmm. what do you got for us there in that regard? Yeah, um, I think that's when you, I would say, do two of them a week. Um, where, because here's the deal. I mean, you have your central nervous system. It can only take so much. Yeah. Um, and you'll feel it. You, you know, when you do like a hit workout or even a CrossFit workout, how the next day you're kind of just tired. Yeah. Yeah. And your body will adjust over time essentially, but you still shouldn't do it every day. No, I don't understand how you could do that every day. Right. So, I mean, there's people out there that can, but they've been trained to that degree. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, if you can do it twice a week, you know, maybe the first day at work on a Monday and then on a Thursday. Okay. What about other stuff to like build that mental fitness? Mental fitness. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to, it's going to sound a little corny, but just having these affirmations, you know, uh, you know, having a positive affirmation, just like be unstoppable or I got this or, you know, telling yourself doing that when you're in the middle of the suck, like yeah. when you're, I mean, for all the, uh, slide mountain guys, if you remember, uh, you know, diamond peak hike or the power line hike, you know, it was just, this is going to suck. This is going to be the worst. There's almost like anxiety amongst the crew getting ready to do this. Like, <laughs> Oh man, you know, it's just a, here it comes. Yeah. Here it oh, comes. Shit. But you know, you just stick your head down and, and cruise. Yeah. It's one foot in the front of the other. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what's going to get you there. Right. And you got to be in shape going into fire season. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's probably my biggest advice is, you know, wearing your boots, if you got new boots, <laughs> you know, don't, don't start your first week with your brand new shiny freaking boots. Oh man. Um, you're gonna have a bad time if you do that. Yeah. I've yeah. seen it happen all the time too. It's like, I mean, but how do you develop that slideshow for something that you've never been in? You have no baseline knowledge of. 
right? You listen, listen to this podcast. (laughs) It's well, that's one of those things. (laughs) I I think that there's, um, I don't know. It's, it's a weird culture until you get into it. We're oftentimes silent professionals. We don't like to talk about what we do. Right. It's not like you're going to go into the bar and be like, well, I'm a firefighter. No, that's your freaking tool. If you do that. Right. Right. So for someone from the outside getting in, I can understand there's going to be that like uh, barrier as far as gaining that, that knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Take the advice of the old timers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh, super important to network. No, dude, super. I mean, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's about who you know. I, I have to agree with you. Yeah. Uh, to an extent, at least. To an extent. I yeah. mean, 100% you earn this job. Yeah, you earn your title. You earn your title. Yeah. No doubt about it. But I remember, you know, when I started getting interested in it, I went and talked to people. I, yeah. I went and drove up to the incline station and talked with people. Just had questions and, you know, wanted to be a familiar face and, um, you know, tried not to be annoying. Of course. But, you know, drop in, you know, once every couple months or something like that. No, that's a good. That's a good strategy, especially if you're, you know, if you guys just applied for all those fire jobs on USA Jobs, that's you know, it's good. It's good practice. Make yourself so. known. Yeah. And then and when you get an interview, they know who you are. Exactly. They're there's no like rule book here, like saying that you can't do this stuff. I mean, obviously have professional courtesy when you're doing this and like give them a heads up or whatever. Courtesy call, right. email, whatever, however you can contact them. But there's nothing in the rule book saying that you can't like do a station visit. Right. Yeah. Make a quick inter- introduction. Doesn't have to be anything fancy. No. You know, you don't need to go up in a suit or anything like that. Yeah. I've seen people show up like in their yellows and, and the greens, like their first day, day one. It's like, oh, hey, yeah. They're like saluting you and stuff. I'm like, dude, you don't need to do that. Ooh, old school. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the military. Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny. But, I mean, yeah, dude. Uh, so this shines a lot of light on what we're doing wrong. What are we doing right as far as training from your experience? Yeah, as far as training goes, I think... Um, really, really teaching everybody about what this is all about. I mean, you know, there is a lot of truth in the fact like, okay, you want to get good at hiking, hike, hike, (laughs) you want to get good at running, you need to run. Yep. Right. If you want to get faster at running, run faster. Not fair enough. I mean, you gotta, you gotta do it to achieve it. Right. Right. Exactly. And, um, you know, and I think that's a huge part of the, of the fire culture. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's definitely opportunities to, you know, change things and uh, more more or less prevent injuries and become better firefighters because of our physical being. But, um, you know, I think I love that part of it. Yeah. You know, I also, you know, there's probably in the last eight years, there's probably not many days that have gone by that I haven't thought about some point in firefighting. Like it was a staple in my life for sure. It's weird how that happens, huh? Yeah. So you yeah. look at back at it and it's just like. You remember that one time they were on X and Y fire or whatever? And like, right. oh yeah, we're you know we duct taped uh, Ricky to the tree or whatever. <laughs> oh, right, man, and uh, that culture, that brotherhood, almost yeah. you know, um, I think that's that's just awesome. And there's no way to really uh, mimic that. Nope. Besides getting your ass kicked with the people next to you. Oh yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like nothing. Nothing builds camaraderie like suffering together. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, man. Yeah. Dude, so, straight up, man. So all this, you know, training, you know, we can do more scat pulls and all that stuff. But like you also got to build a team because it's it can be a life 
life-threatening deal and you have to be able to yeah. trust your team. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. that, like, calm under pressure thing, too. If, like, especially if shit's, like, real hairy, you know, are you going to panic and make the wrong decision? Right. That's that's one thing you definitely need to think about. Yeah, dude. And I think uh, a lot of that, if you were to add some of these values that you find in fitness and the PT program, I think that translates very well to the fire line, but it's not the same. Right. Yeah. If I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of getting off in the weeds here, but no, not at all. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Like the training that I'm talking about doing w- won't create that suffer culture. Yeah. Like won't create that, that really tight knit team. Yeah. You know, it's just something you guys are all going to do together, but it's not really, it's going to make you feel really good. It's going to, make you mobile. It's going to make you a little bit stronger, but it's not going to build that camaraderie where, you know, you got your slowest dude on the team at the back and everybody else finished to the top and goes back down the hill. And I love that hikes, hikes the rest of the freaking hill with them. I mean, there's nothing better than that. Well, it says a lot too about the program too, about the, uh, the family that you develop in the fire career. Yeah. Fire family. Yeah. Nobody's left behind. No, I can tell you right now. I mean, I don't really talk to you know, I've kind of lost contact with any of the guys, but if they called me today, I'd be there. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some shit happened. You'd be like, dude, crash my couch or whatever. Yeah, yeah, 100%, man. You know, so you never, that's something you really never lose. And that, I think that's what 100% is done. Yeah. Great in the fire community. It's a weird tribe, man. It is. It's a very, very weird microcosm, but it's uh, definitely fun. It's, it's cool. Yeah. It's a one of a kind experience. And I, I hope that more people, I don't know, step up to the, the, I guess, a challenge. I guess it could be a challenge. Yeah. Depends sure. on how you approach it. Depends on how you see it, right? But, uh, yeah. It's definitely a challenge. Yeah, it seems like uh, we're kind of losing some of the the workforce, it seems like. It's a different generation coming through right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hard. It's, it's, it's a weird... There's been a paradigm shift as far as cultures go, and I think we're in the middle of one mm-hmm. as far as fire goes. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see the way that plays out. Well, if uh, if anything ever goes wrong with uh, my fitness training, I'm going back to fire. So <laughs> it's yeah, it sucks you in, man. Yeah. Was it, you said eight years later. Yeah, I'd be like the 35 year old new guy, <laughs> just re rookie. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, man. Um, I think that's about the time point for the show. Unless you got anything else to add. No, man. This has been great. I yeah. Covered dude. everything. Yeah. So where can we find you? Uh, so you guys actually can always, uh, give me a call, uh, number 775-354-6311. If you have some fitness questions or, um, you know, have, have questions about how to train, would love to, love to help you guys out. Um, and then you can also reach me at pendolatraining.com. So it's P-E-N-D-O-L-A. Bold move, Cotton. You're the first guest that I've ever had give out their, their phone number. Yeah, I was listening to another podcast and this guy gave out his number on business advice and mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I kind of dig that, you there know, you and he go. got nothing but really good uh, inquiries out of that. So perfect. Yeah, there we go. And uh, you're local to Reno, local to Reno. Yep. So if you guys want to come and visit Zach and get some expert level training and especially those firefighters that are looking for some preseason stuff, he's got firsthand experience with this. So hit him up. Definitely hit him up. Yeah. Give me a call, guys. Yeah. So at the end of the show, I'd like to give you the opportunity to give a shout out to a homie, a hero, mentor. What do you got for us? Ooh. Ooh. From the fire world? Wherever, man. Do both. Do fitness, fire, wherever, MMA. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I think from the fire world, my uh, my boy Peaches. Peaches? Is what, yep, is what we called him. I wonder uh, how he earned that nickname. <laughs> his first chew was uh, uh, Skull Peach. <laughs> no. <laughs> on, on, the, on the fire crew. So, um, you know, he just automatically got that nickname. So, Peaches. Uh, yeah, shout That's out cool. to him. He, was, uh, he always kept me pretty motivated, and uh, I was definitely on the on the slower side of things in PT and stuff like that. So he always kept me moving. So big shout out to him. Hope he's doing well. And, uh, yeah, I would say, uh, my, my current mentor, Matt Pendola, you know, nice. I've, man. Uh, I've grown a lot from, from this in the training world and, uh, you know, couldn't have done it without him. So sweet. Yeah. There we go. Peaches and Mr. Pendola. Yep. Peaches Pendola. <laughs> right on, Zach. Well, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Right on. Catch you guys on the next one. There we go, guys. Episode number 21 is in the books with Zach Robo. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I definitely am fascinated with the fitness uh, side of things in fire. It's definitely one of my passions and it's always cool to get uh, different perspectives from different trainers or PTs or whatever. It's not a one-size-fits-all kind of business, so taking that uh, personalized approach to your clients, I think that's that's pretty special, man. It says a lot about your, uh, your business there. Anyways, if you guys want to check him out on a Pendola Project, hit him up. And, bold move, you are the first person who has ever given out their... Uh, phone number on the anchor point podcast pretty wild so zach once again dude thank you very much for coming on the show hope you guys enjoyed we just want to give a special shout out to hotshot brewery for helping facilitate some of those t-shirts and those pre-orders definitely appreciate it man thank you make sure you guys hit up www.hotshotbrewery.com and uh cycle over to the t-a-p-p section and that drop down box is going to drop down and you'll see the pre-orders available they should be shipping uh early november so get them while you can limited run limited edition and while you're there pick up some coffee and uh yeah if you guys have any uh other badass stories make sure to hit me up we're looking for uh more stories we're gonna try and build some more content for you guys so hit us up and keep tagging us keep posting i'm done talking so we'll see you on the next one thanks for listening